Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to the I'm Glad I'm Not in Texas episode of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. This is episode 83 for people keeping score at home. And I'm joined in studio by our special guest, marketing director from Walzer Automotive Group. Kate Lumsden. And... Andy Rappernard. And phoning it in, as always, deep in the heart. Of the, you, I think Florida is the only place in the country with nice weather right now, right? Well, it's 82 and sunny, so if you think that's nice. Gross. All right, I'm, that's it. Gross. I'm out of here. Gross. <laughs> Gross. We'll, we'll be right back after this exciting announcement. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. I knew that was going to be an exciting announcement. We are back with Car Selling Secrets. Special guest, Kate Lumsden from Walzer Automotive Group. The talk and text line is open if anybody has a comment, question, or the very rare criticism. That number is 561-228-4061. Kate, it's a, it's a tradition on the show, as you well know, that the guest gets to start with regaling us with the tale of their very first automobile. What was your first car? Oh, man, I feel like my story's kind of lame compared to the crazy stuff I've heard in the past. But um, I... Oh, it's kind of lame. Uh, it's a 2001 Toyota Corolla. Oh, my uh, God, that is boring. <laughs> and you're, are you still driving it? No, okay. no, no. Um, I, I had that car for six years all through college, and one day the oil light came on. I took a corner too sharp, and I threw a rod. And oh, it was no. done. It was toast. I limped it home, and then it had to get towed from my apartment parking lot to the dealership where i traded it in on a new mazda at the time so i only know two people that have ever killed the toyota and you're one and the other is mike bryant from bradshaw and bryant he's bought a bunch of camrys from us mm -hmm. in bloomington well but he drives them what five million uh, miles sixty thousand miles a year he had like a hundred and twenty five thousand miles on it i think but then i talked to my neighbor who ironically is named toyota mark he works at a toyota dealership he's a mechanic and he's like oh yeah that year's infamous for having problems with burning through oil Oil, so you just got to top it off all the time. I'm like, where were you 10 years ago? I'd probably still have that car. <laughs> probably working on Toyotas. That's how yeah. you get to be called Toyota Mark. Well, yep. I'm sorry to hear that your car died. But. Yeah. It was for the best. <laughs> okay. So, Missy, how did you get into this crazy business? What's your journey? Oh, I'm sure you grew up and, you know, you're probably a five-year-old girl going, 
I want to talk to people about their extended warranties. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I, I'm from upstate New York, and I just I had a really early on interest in cars. I've never owned a Barbie or a doll or anything in my life. I grew up on matchbox cars and remote control, like everything. I I was a Teenage Mutant Tur- Ninja Turtle for Halloween. Like I I came up with a very Andy, like- you were a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Well, yeah, you? wait a minute. <laughs> Donatello yep. does machines. Yep, I was uh, Michelangelo, so. <laughs> oh, Michelangelo is a party dude. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, I wanted to be Leonardo, oh but they God. didn't have the costume available at the time, so I just oh. settled for Michelangelo. <laughs> anyway, um, I used to draw cars when I was little. Um, I was just very interested in that. So when I started to pursue like an actual career path, I was looking into car design at first. And then you quickly realize there's about five people on the entire planet that design the cars that are actually rolling down the road, right? It's a very competitive subset of a weird industry, and like you can't you can't base your entire life off of that unless you are like very very dedicated and very very talented. So, so uh, I'll share a, uh, and it's the only good uh, sharing a urinal story that I have. I was at a Chrysler meeting, and had to use the facilities and next to me is ralph giles who is the guy he's the guy from chrysler this yeah. guy uh, designed the 300 he's built all the cool stuff he's a really interesting guy he's african-american and i was asking him about the patriot and well he works for chrysler so i think everybody yeah, there swears a, a lot on him recently I was he reading. says uh yeah, they effed me right over the barrel with that one. What a pile of shit. He just went, <laughs> just ripped what Chrysler had done to what apparently was a really nice design at one time. So anyway, continue your, your story. That's that's kind of the thing, though. It's a trial or a design by committee kind of thing yep. um, with car design. You can't you have these really cool designs, and then they never come to fruition because of all the standards around automobile in general. But also, yeah, I went to all these auto shows, and you see these really cool concepts. By the time they hit the road, it's nothing even remotely close to what, what made it cool, right? So, Other I, than uh, Chrysler, that <laughs> has always pulled that off, right? <laughs> They've done I a mean, nice the, job, yeah. Let's build the Prowler. Well, yeah. That's kind of cool. But then talk about like, the HHR, car. and then you're like, oh, right. man. <laughs> but um, I... I just widened my scope a little bit. I actually went to the U of M uh, for graphic design. I have a degree in that. Wow. And then out of complete random circumstance, I applied to a job position that was anonymous. And I was hired as a graphic designer for a local automotive group. You can go ahead and tell them. We know there's more than one. (laughs) Yes, my former life was definitely Maury's. They picked me up right out of college. And I, I spent 10 years with them in the automotive industry. So I learned... So that's how you started as a gra- doing graphic design mm-hmm. for Morris. Yep. So you learn all the brand standards and all the quirks of every OEM you carry, and of course you're you're branding all of these materials that your customers see. So in the process, you're learning about all these warranties, tire and wheel, like all the crazy stuff that we need to help educate your consumers. And as a designer, if I don't understand the concept, I can't clearly communicate it. Right. So it's on me to learn it first and then figure out how do I distill this into something that the average consumer can understand. So through that process, I learned a ton about the industry, about the products we sell, um, the things that we do internally, externally. And I'll give it to Maury's for their their ability to brand themselves as a whole. And they have a really strong campaign out there and a lot lot to talk about that, that makes them interesting to customers. So 
um, I've just I've learned a ton in that time and then uh, made a transition here and it's been great. I worked for Maury for a year yeah. and I never should have left quite honestly. I, I mean this is back when the Miata first came out and Carl Schmidt was the assistant used car manager. Yep. It's, uh, but he was a, a lovely guy to work for. He was one of the first dealers, I think, in a fairly small group that understood CSI before it became a thing. Mm -hmm. So car dealers are measured by their uh, consumer satisfaction indexes. If you buy a new car, you'll, you'll know. Andy, you bought new cars. You get bombed with surveys. Mm -hmm. And that was the yardstick. But Maury... Uh, even before the manufacturers pushed that, if uh, the joke was if you, if you had a complaint from a customer, you better fix it because if they get to Maury, he's going to recarpet their whole house and charge your department. He'll put a few sliding doors in too. And yeah. if there's any Maury's employees listening, they'll understand that concept. <laughs> but um, he was one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Like yeah. I was hired straight out of college, so I was like some 23 year old, 24 year old designer who worked in the corporate office. But you would go to to Maury where he was working out of um, the body shop in Long Lake, and he knew my name. He knew exactly who I was. He would greet me every time. Like, I thought I was just some, you know, nobody knows who Small. I am. Yeah. But Maury was incredible. Like, he, he knew exactly who I was. He always uh, said hello, asked me how I was doing, and always had some crazy story because if anybody knows Maury, he has a car collection, and he's got stories that you would not believe. Okay, saying Maury Wagner has a car collection is kind of like saying <laughs> Jimi Hendrix plays the guitar a little. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, if you ever get a chance uh, this summer and you want to do something fun, um, let's uh, we'll get a hold of our good buddy Tom Ryan and we'll go visit uh, Maury's car All collection. Right. It will it uh, seriously it'll blow your mind. He has to have what 300 cars in there, if not more. Probably more. And I think it's that all was, stuff geez. from, you, you know, pre-World War II on. Well, he has a staff of, last time I was there, he had a staff of four or five people that mm -hmm. all they did was work on his collection. Does he have, like, aircraft hangars in his property full of cars? It is. Or? It's that. It's like a bunch of aircraft carrier-sized wow. stuff all bolted together. I forget together. what the number was, but it's a crazy amount of, like, fully enclosed square footage. And every time you go there, he's basically knocked down a wall to open up another room to make. Mm. And it's funny you say aircraft carry. He does have a small plane in there, I think. There's a couple. Like a little one, little... Anything little with an engine things. in it. Yeah, let's, basically. I think we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you the story of the first time that I saw Maury's car collection. You'll get a kick out of it. I think. <laughs> we'll be right back. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO from North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, you work with many different types of businesses. Can you tell me about one of them? Absolutely. Real Fishing was started by a young entrepreneurial couple here in the Twin Cities. They offer guided fishing services during the open water season and ice house rentals in the winter. They came to us with a great idea for their business, but not a lot of experience in getting one off the ground. Now that they're up and running, they've told us how much they appreciate that we listen to their ideas for their business and help them work through all of the contingencies that could come. Knowing that we will be here to help them every step of the way with the capital they need. Yeah, they're not going to get that at just any bank. You need Bilski. Tommy, our whole team at all of the branches take pride in providing outstanding customer service and are ready to help our clients when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. 
Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan's Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan's Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Back with Kate Lumsden, marketing director from Walzer Automotive Group. So I, I, before the break, I started to tell this story, and it was when I worked for Maury. Um, he had called me one day and says, hey, I'm having some big shots from Mazda out to the house for dinner. Can you and your wife come? I said, sure, love to do that. And he had a really nice place on Min Lake Minnetonka. I don't know if he still does anymore. Yeah, he still does. So we pull in, and one of his sons, Charlie, uh, is in the garage. He goes, how, how are you, Doug? I said, Charlie, I'm doing pretty good. I'm supposed to meet your dad in the garage. He goes, yeah, go, just go to the garage. And I said, Charlie, aren't we standing in the garage? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Take this elevator down here. So there's an elevator in the back and an underground. He had, oh, it was probably 40 cars at the time, including a, Cal a Ferrari California Spider, just some really rare stuff wow. that's like a multi-million-dollar vehicle now. It was still probably worth you know, a quarter or a half, even 30 years ago, but it was uh, it was fun. We've got to talk about stuff other than the Maury Wagner show. <laughs> His ears are probably ringing, which is fine. Um, you know, car dealers in this town, they're super competitive. They want to kill each other, but at the end of the day, oh, God, I hate saying the end of the day. Um, competition aside, almost all of them are really, really good friends. Maury and, and Paul and Andrew and... and uh, that guy that runs Luther, I can't remember his name. They all get along pretty well. <laughs> Danny, Denny, something, you know. Yeah. No, it's funny. You know, when Tom was here, he told that story about uh, 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 Jack Jablonski when he, you know, got mm -hmm. paralyzed. It was Maury and David Luther and Paul just called each other and said, yeah, let's get the guy a van. we got to help him out. Yeah, and, I helped coordinate that, actually. Oh, did you really? I did, yeah. See, I've... Tom Ryan took all the credit for that. See, I've known Tom for ah. a long time. <laughs> You want to know the story of when I met Tom? Yes. <laughs> I was brand new to Maury's. I was sitting in my office, and my counterpart, Mark Potter, was sharing the office with me at the time. And we were talking about something I don't remember, and Tom appeared in my doorway. I had not at this point actually met Maury. I was too new. Tom introduced <laughs> himself as Maury Wagner. So, of course, I got oh, out of my God. chair, like, introducing myself and... You know, Tom, It's it's that's how that whole thing went. So I will never forget the day I met Tom Ryan and ever uh, since. So <laughs> That sounds like uh, my good friend Tom. Yep, but yeah, we were definitely Indeed. there for the, the whole Jablonski thing, and, and we did a lot of coordination and a lot of efforts to help with that. So um, I remember we put together a vehicle um, to have it outfitted yeah. for, for Jack's wheelchair and all those types now of is things. He, do, Tom, do you know, is he in California now? For some reason, I think that's that he's not in the state anymore. Do you know? Where who is? Jablonski? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think he lives in uh, Los Angeles, doesn't he? Yeah, I thought he went he, to I USC. Thought he moved to California. I, I wasn't sure, but I think that might. Well, I know he went to USC, right? Uh, yeah, Minnesota to California to USC. Yep. He's an L.A. Kings nice personality and employee. We got to get him on the podcast. He'd be a great guest. Oh yeah. God, yeah. It's been a while. Because you he's, had him on, yeah, he's been on, on yours, right? Several God, years ago. Seven or eight years ago, I seem to remember. Let's see that. here. Got to bring his little brother though, because his little brother's a smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Tom's son had Love a him. connection there, Mike. So yeah, I think that's yep. what got Tom kind of involved. Mm-hmm. He told the story about you know collecting all these books from these famous authors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. He was number. Well, yeah. Wow. He was a uh, number one ninety five. Oh yeah. And so we're that currently was... at nineteen hundred forty nine. So it's been a oh, while. God. That was eight years ago. I bet. Uh, yeah, I think yep. so. Pretty close. Let's see. One ninety five. Indeed. I can tell you exactly when. May fourteenth, twenty thirteen. Can't believe it was that long God, ago. Eight years. Almost eight yeah. years. It's amazing. Weren't you just saying you can't make... believe how long ago that was as your catchphrase? Yeah, right now? I know. It's, it's, and that's what I said. I said, the older you I'm get, the getting, worse it gets. I'm getting to the point where, yeah, that's a. Uh... I remember when stamps were two cents. <laughs> Nobody yeah. uses can stamps I tell anymore. You, yeah, we got stamps. Can I tell you a quick story about that? Of course. Listen, because we had a game show going back in the day, so it wasn't that offensive, but it sounds so. <laughs> so, uh, what's his younger brother's name? Is it Mitch? I, couldn't, Mitch I, I, I can't remember, remember his younger brother's name. Uh, Doesn't really matter, but but he at the time probably was about 14 years old. Max. Jack, I uh, think. Max, there you go. There you go, Max. So they their dad comes in. Jay comes in. Max comes in. And we're talking about this, that, and the other thing and having a great time. And I said, well, is there anything like in particular you'd like to do on the morning show? And Max, who's like 13 years old, goes... Yeah, I'd kind of like to play that game show you play, porno movie title or not. Oh, no. <laughs> like, his dad looks at me like, oh, great, wonderful. You, had, we were just you haven't done that fun. in a long time, but, you know, when I listen to those, that's actually the hardest game show there is because the titles, the real ones are so out there, you don't think that could be possible. Well, a lot of them are translated from other languages, but they're translated very yeah, they literally, are. so you end up with extremely bizarre titles. Huh. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. And I have no idea. I'm a apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even picture Andy watching porn. I, I can't like, even get uh, that in my head. I like, I, little th- I, I like to read up on other languages and how it impacts, you know, the world. There's a, yep. there's a, a bunch of sites out there, but you can find storefronts in other countries that are translated from English to the native language and then back. And you'll find the most bizarre things. It's like, you know, Hitler's Ice Cream Emporium. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, because it's wow. a well-known name, so they just put it on there. Why not? Oh, Hitler's God. They don't know any different because it's, it's in, like, India or some country that what really wasn't impacted. So they're like, oh, let's put a famous person on there. Who does, who does everyone know? Oh, yeah. How about him? <laughs> Well, I'm sure we're offenders just the same. I'm sure. There's oh, yeah, <laughs> we have mo- yeah we have like movies where you know, like Genghis Khan is like a joke character. People mm-hmm. from China probably wouldn't appreciate that. Right. But, uh, no. No. But we weren't affected by it, so haha, Genghis Khan. Yeah, we learned you don't want to put the Prophet <laughs> Muhammad in any cartoons. You sure don't. Uh, it's just no. Not a great career no, move. No. Just leave the Prophet alone. 
All right. Now, why is that, though? Ahead. When you think of it very, very quickly, why is that? Because in a promo for Hulu, Abraham Lincoln says, this is the worst theater experience of my life, and Jesus shakes his head and goes, ugh. Well, there's yeah, actually... do with Jesus? There's a specific reason for it. Uh, you can't depict Muhammad because depicting him is creating an idol of him, and you can't oh, worship God. idols. You can worship concepts okay. or people, but not idols because the... But the, not uh, idols. Yeah. Because the Quran specifically says no idols allowed, which is why there are very Whatever. few people in Muslim art. Hmm. Elvis Presley is out. Is that what you're telling me? You probably won't find a lot of graven <laughs> images of Elvis in a mosque. No. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, though. Actually, it if they would. Did. I would love that. Yeah, I don't know why don't. that. It, I I don't know really. Why that causes so much ire? I just know that it is that it does. You're probably not going to put Jesus in a lot of car commercials either, though. It's like no, but they do. Not? They do a TV no, show called might. Black Jesus, which is hysterically days. funny. Well, that's and true. No, but no Christians rioted about that. That's true. It's still, you got to tread carefully there. Yeah. It's not going to be like, hey, I I'm suppose. Jesus, and I recommend Toyotas because. Yeah, I, this was before <laughs> your time. <laughs> but uh, Maury's ran, I think they only ran this commercial once. It was when Bill Clinton was in office, and it was a Subaru commercial. And it was a voice impersonator of the president. And at the end of the commercial, he said, it s sounded like he took a big hit. He goes, yep, Subarus are so good, even straight people are driving them now. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Couldn't believe. I thought it was really funny. that was funny. before my time. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like yes, it was in the middle exactly. of the Clinton administration. So it was wow. probably mid-'90s. I'm like, wow. I'm never going to hear that commercial again, I'm pretty sure. Yikes. I, was it Tony Lee? It, it, it could have been, but I don't think it was. I think it was, yeah. No? Maybe. Does That's... Tony do Bill Clinton? Oh, God, he's a great Bill Clinton. Does Perfect. he really? I didn't know that. Maybe oh, it was God, him. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to ask him next it. time I talk to him. He kind of does it like this. you know. We had a great time. Ha, ha, ha. He does that kind yeah. of stuff. It's very funny. <laughs> so speaking of funny ads, how many people do you suppose get into marketing because they think they're going to be the next person who's writing the funny progressive and Geico ads. Oh, almost all of them. Yeah, um, I was going to say. Yeah. It's like people who have an iPhone call themselves a photographer these days. Everybody yeah. who thinks they have a good idea. <laughs> like, yep. I, I want to be in marketing because oh, they think yeah. that it's it's literally like the Mad Men version right. of of yeah. martinis and chase the secretaries right. around the let's, office let's write a, a funny million script dollars. throw it out and yeah, make I have a millions. funny idea this yeah. is going to be the next big thing they don't realize all the data and the analytics and the, so the hard work that goes into it there's a fair amount of burnout in the industry then yeah i mean it's it's really hard to one make intelligent decisions because you're spending a lot of money that's technically Marketing not yours right expensive. exactly i'm spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and i have to be one comfortable with that mm -hmm. but two I have to prove some sort of ROI, otherwise, right. you know, Andrew would be like, what are you doing? Um, but the other piece of it is, like, it, you kind of have to be on the forefront of not only what the industry is doing, but what people respond to, right? So, like, making things interesting in this business, it's hard sometimes because we're not the OEM. We're not the one with the sexy new product. Right. Like, they can talk about, you know, their features and their vehicles and whatnot. We are the ones, you know, trying to sell our own process and differentiate, and that becomes a little less sexy and a little harder to do in a creative way. But I think it's the most important. As you know, there were times when I was unfortunately given the interim position of marketing director. I'm like, oh, God, I hate this job. And I said, hire somebody quick. 
And and I don't know if this still happens today, but I'd get calls from the general managers, and they would go something like this: Hey, Doug, what are you doing? Nothing. Counting my millions. What are you doing? I just I just talked to the rep at Clear Channel, and I can get um, five thousand TV spots for fifteen cents a piece. Mm-hmm. Get it and all. My time. next question was oh, my next question to them was always this: What's your message? Mm-hmm. And the answer was. Did I say I could get five thousand for fifteen <laughs> right? cents a piece? It's like, dude, that, that, that doesn't matter. That part, how are you going to reach people? And I think that's the real challenge because, like you say, we we don't we're not Apple. We don't make our own stuff. We just mm-hmm. sell the same stuff everybody else does. Right. They don't build special Corollas for Walzer and yeah. then give all the crappy ones to Burnsville. You're not selling right. cars. You're selling the service. Right. Right. So it's it's really hard to differentiate yourself. I think Walzer does a great job, but even then, like people just you only have bandwidth for so much advertising, right? Like your That's brain right. can't process it. So oh, when God, you yeah. when you talk about like I want a new Toyota, I've I've had I've been in this industry a long time. My friends, my family, they don't even understand, well, why can't I just go to this one? Like yeah. well, which one's going to offer you a better level of service and a better buy for what you're looking for? And they're like, oh, I don't get it. It's a Toyota. Like right. th- they still don't. A lot of them think that yeah. the manufacturers own the dealerships. They right. don't understand that it's a mm-hmm. franchise system. And yep. it, it always drove me crazy when uh, many years ago, I guess during the recession, Corp was on the second floor of Toyota. It was mm-hmm. me and Alan and payroll and the, about probably 20 people up there. So we'd have meetings there all the time, and people would call up, and they're all local media people, Cuneo or wherever it is. They said, well, we're upstairs at the Toyota store. Where's the Toyota store? 494 in France. Um, uh, where is it? I said, do you know where Sensors is? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, we're right next to that. It's like, damn it. We spent $5 million advertising this store last year. All of it on KQ with Tom, by the way. And Sensors, who never spends a dime, was like, yeah, I guess people like to drink more than like to talk Say, to car people. It's a form it's of fun. Really people know where to find it. That's true, yeah. It's all, yeah, oh, yeah. I just, it was like last week I was talking about where I live in St. Paul. And whoever was on, it was like, "Oh, you mean right next to uh, that that bar?" I'm that like, was me. Oh yeah, Plums. there you go. Yeah. yeah. See, I, was, I went to McAllister, so we. I, yeah, there you I go. I funded Plums and yeah. O'Gara's. I would just trade yeah. off weeks, so I didn't look like yeah, a raving alcoholic. I was right alcoholic. next to O'Gara's, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah. right next to O'Gara's." But yeah, that's a uh, that's what people remember is they remember their hangouts and they remember the the good times, that kind of thing. But it translates. Yep. I mean, you have a great experience, a memorable experience. That's where you want to go back to, and we're trying to offer that in a different context but it's hard when your average life cycle of someone purchasing a car is every six years yeah it's how do they remember that experience and is it even the same a lot of people who bought a car last time around they're coming due for their next they've never you know done a lot of the internet pieces that now exist that it's changing so quickly well and i think the other thing that works against us well it's a few things we don't have a sterling reputation as retailers in the car business yeah thanks and then, room. you know i'll the, blame them for that one <laughs> The advent of social media and everybody gets a platform to complain, we're a pretty easy target. So even if somebody had a good experience, they might just not share it because they're all terrible people. Well, yeah, people will always complain over compliment any day of the week. So and no one goes to Yelp so they can say how much they like it unless you yep. remind them to or they have a specific reason to. Yeah, I think we do a pretty good job of getting mostly positive, but the negative ones we try to just present as an opportunity, go to those people and be like, how do we make it right? Because, frankly, it's usually a breakdown in communication is all it really That's is. That's right, because I get those emails from time to time because yep. right? I put my email address out there and 
95% of the time, it's like, God, this is really great, or can you help me here? And every once in a while, you guys effed up, and it's mm -hmm. usually communication. Yep. Tom, I, uh, I, I, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Sarah and I are thinking about having the deck replaced on our house, and I'm like, okay, I know one guy's a boating buddy. I'll talk to him. And then I thought about Charles Thayer, who used to advertise from uh, all around. Right. Right. So I looked mm -hmm. him up on the internet and sent him an email and you know and you remember me and you work with Tom. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, sure do. Say hi to Tom. Blah blah blah. Um, so I checked out his business. This guy does uh, pretty fair sized remodeling, uh, room additions, decks, all that sort of stuff. Five O Google with four hundred twenty reviews. Wow! Like, dude, I have a jingle in my head. I know his marketing. Yeah, all he's, well, he's, well, he sang it. We get it done and we do it. Right? Yeah. Yep. 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 And that's what Sarah said. Actually, I yep. said I'm going to call Char Charles Thayer. She goes, "We do it right." Uh. right uh. <laughs> yep. But that's a stunning, stunningly great. I, I've never seen one that good. You can you'll see five O's, but they have like fifteen reviews. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, but that's crazy. Five stars, one review. I yeah. wonder who. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like to be at that 4.9, the 4.8. It's a little more believable. You see the 5.0 and you're like, mm. It is a little suspicious. Yeah. It's like so, literally yeah. no one has ever not given it five stars. I, right. I followed Carvana since the very beginning. And they don't do this anymore, but for a couple of years on their website, right below the fold, but so you couldn't miss it, mm -hmm. big red text, click here to see our worst Google reviews. Oh, you click. Nice. Ooh, I like and they were that, handled actually. professionally, and you go, okay, they, they, they did get one star, but know, these other 15,000 people seem to be pretty happy. We better yep. take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our uh, last segment of Episode 83 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com because life is expensive enough. What's more important than reliable plumbing? Having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit saberheating.com. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. I love this song. Did I tell? Do you know what this is, Tom? Don McLean? No, it's not Don McLean. It was Sarah's <laughs> idea. That's actually a U2 song. Oh yeah, you did tell me. We talked about that. But before. she was yeah, she was in a kick where she was listening to Sam Cooke, and she goes, "I want to do a if Sam Cooke uh, did 
I still haven't found what I'm looking for, which is the name of the U2 song. I think I think it would right. sound like this. I'm like, that's yeah, kind of swinging. Let's do it. So that's where that came from. You can swing I basically anything. It'll sound better. Um, swinging, man. Did I ever play Milky Edwards for you? I think we talked about that once. I don't. Yep, we did. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a musical mystery. It's a some guy named Milky Edwards. No one knows who he put is. Put out a fake record. Nobody knows who he is, and they're like. If David Bowie's songs were done by a Motown band in 1964, and it just—it's it, cool stuff. It's wow. really so much fun, but nobody's been able to track him down. This has been like seven or eight years, and it's just—it's hard to keep a secret in this day and age. But somehow, Milky Edwards. If you know Edwards, what you're doing, you can. Yeah, but the the production is so good on this. Uh, there had to be a. This isn't just a one person well, no. thing. There's a lot of people involved in it. So. All right, what were we talking about before I wandered off the tracks here? I forgot. Uh, I think we were talking about all around. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. We were. Charles oh. Thayer, that's right. <laughs> yep. yep, but it's an earworm. You remember it, right? Yep. Like That's that's effective advertising right there at yes, its finest. It I probably can't remember the last time I heard one of their ads, but I still know their jingle. I think you know a lot of tradespeople... Um, Stopped advertising a year ago, kind of across the board, because the mm -hmm. world was going to come to an end. Yep. And yep. then all of a sudden the phones rang because everybody's sitting at home with nothing to do and they want yep. to do And everybody I know in that business just killed it last year. Mm -hmm. Well, because so. you start to notice it. Like, if you're not in your house, you know, 10 out of 12 hours a day, whatever it is, and you don't notice the crack in your wall or this is broken, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing bothers you. You go to work every day and then... Now you're spending every waking moment of your day staring at it, and you're like, i got to fix that. Every house, no matter how new or well-built, has some little flaw that mm -hmm. you can obsess over if you want to. Yeah. No, I've got tons of them in mind, but I'm not obsessive, so it's fine. Although I do, i, I got to say, I hate working from home. It's nice when it's 24 below zero, then I don't mind it so much, oh, but yeah. for the most part... When, the, when your remote start doesn't even offset the cold, it's just slightly less freezing cold when you get in your car? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, that's called Minnesota, though. That's yeah, just, uh, that's just that's pretty normal. That's how it is. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, your new marketing initiative about buying cars. We'll turn yes. this into a Walzer commercial <laughs> that kills us. <laughs> so, yeah, we're working on a new campaign called Walzer Buys Cars, so walzerbuyscars.com. Um, so basically we're just uh, giving it a little different angle. Not a lot of people realize that you can just come to us and we will buy your car. Uh, no strings attached. You don't have to buy a car from us. We just, we need the inventory, frankly. It's hard to find a good used car, and we know a lot of people that take really good care of their cars, and we want them. So That's what I did last year. Yeah. Yeah, we'll Andy uh, went down to a one. We were talking about that, and he goes, you know, I don't really need two cars right now, and they it, don't drive that's exactly, much, so. yep. Yeah. Yep, there's a whole angle there, too. I mean, lots of people just have extra vehicles lying around these days. Either you're working from home or whatever else. I have an extra vehicle that I my husband refuses to part with. I'd love to sell it, even though it's worth nothing. I just hate staring at it. So, What kind of car is it? Oh, man. It's a, <laughs> it's a 2001 Dodge Ram, um, which isn't saying a lot except for the fact that it has like a six-inch lift, chrome rims uh, and a custom paint job that is literally like purple flames yep. down the oh, side yeah. and then on the tailgate it's got two airbrushed rams heads that like come together on the tailgate i have pictures i'll share did he and do this, this is your husband this, this is, is so my cool. husband 
<laughs> That's our extra vehicle that lies around. My husband's an interesting guy. Do you get a Texas flag in the back window and a gun rack? <laughs> he does not. He's from Minnesota, but it is a very redneck truck. We have been waved down in the street. We were leaving the Minnesota State Fair, so we stuck in. We were stuck in traffic on Snelling, and some guy comes running down the street. He's like, "That used to be my truck. That's my truck." I was like, "Oh my god!" Was he, so wait, so he, was he the one who customized it? No, we bought it out of some podunk dealer up in Sartell. Oh. So it was just he really liked it. He had to have it. He bought it. We have a lot of listeners in Sartell. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm saying a dealer. Yes, but it was uh, it was an interesting endeavor to go up there and then. To to, to be in St. Paul and somebody run down the street after us because they were so happy to see their truck again. It was crazy. It's hard to miss. So. <laughs> it is. It's And it's very loud. I call it the beast. It's only loud because both mufflers have completely rusted off of it. <laughs> yep. um, so you hear nice. it start from a block away. Should have brought him in. He sounds fun. I know. He is. He <laughs> <laughs> not that you're not. That's no, that's really was a horrible thing to say. No, he's a, he's an interesting guy to say the least. He would come on here and he would shoot the shit with you all day. I, I guarantee you. <laughs> so for listeners out there, if you are this and this is unusual, we've talked about this in the last couple episodes. We're going to have another weird new car year. It looks like because of the microchip shortage, which mm-hmm. will hamper production. And what that means is late model used cars go up in value. Um, and normally we can't do this, and, and I don't. I, I want to be careful how I put this because it's not a it's not a guarantee. But in many many cases, if you are within four or five or six months from the end of a lease, you know, in normal times you have to wait till the last payment till you can get out. Yep. But but now because uh, car values are a little higher than the manufacturers anticipated when they set the residuals three years ago, we get a lot of times we can get you out. So if it, it, it can work really well if you've got a car that you don't need anymore. Or, if you you know, one of the things that's frustrating about leasing cars is there's usually kind of a quick window where you have to go from one to the other, and it really accelerates mm-hmm. the process. People don't really like that that much. I've, I've been in there a couple of times. But if you've got, you know, three or four months and you know, hey, I can get out of my car as soon as I figure out what my next one's going to be. Um, that's kind of cool. So as always, you can contact me at dougatwalzer.com. I won't do any actual work because I never do, but I'll connect you with people <laughs> that are way better at it than I am. So yeah. the, the, are the, micro, the chips in cars, how standardized are they? I'm guessing not at all. Uh, actually, they're pr- very standardized. Oh, are they now? Yeah. It's a very common chip that's not unique to automotive. Oh, it's okay. a chip you'd find in microwaves or audio equipment and things like that. It's a very small computer chip. Yeah. But there's a way that they prorated the pricing, and automa- automotive somehow pays slightly less for this chip. So they're prioritizing clients that are paying more for said chip, Samsung. and therefore creating. So there's some lawsuits that are probably going to happen, things like that, around this whole thing. And but that's why the short is affecting hmm. automotive more so than other industries. And, and it really illustrates how the automotive, automobile manufacturing business has changed. We have a, a few people that listen to this podcast regularly that work in assembly plants. And, My husband know, does. Oh, does he really? He's on the weird other end of it. He's in a thermal injection molding company who makes a ton of automotive parts. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> so in the old days, uh, the manufacturers made their own stuff. When the Ford plant was first built over, I think, 100 years ago, they mined sand from the Mississippi River to make windshields. Now, they don't do that anymore. 
the, the, the manufacturing plants are really assembly plants, so they'll source mm -hmm. their parts. And it's, a, and it's a weakness in the system because if something goes down, it just doesn't affect one manufacturer. It will affect all of them. Mm -hmm. That's why, if you remember back during the recession when Chrysler and General Motors were about to go under and they had to go to Congress, well, the head of Ford, who was they were in fine money shape, went with them and I, I explained to my friends it's just so those other a-holes don't mess this up because if they go under Ford was going to go too so yep. it is interesting we got two items of input from our listeners fire away Andrew first one officer Dave says don't mess with the guy's truck <laughs> so I would never do that I wouldn't dream of it <laughs> I'm not gonna paint I told over him it. I'm gonna probably bury him in it so it's fine <laughs> next week yeah <laughs> and then uh, someone from the chat wants to know I don't know what this means but he says was the truck originally a Waldock conversion N no Waldock is like uh, an aftermarket um, they make accessories Forest Lake right yeah they're local I just don't remember they do like wenches and in, in well in the heyday of the uh, conversion van. They were the big deal in town. Yeah, so back yep, when they do a lot with 70s, that. 80s, they and 90s. They still have a thing at the auto show every year where they do those fancy vans, yep, right? They yep. do a crazy conversion van. Yeah, I don't believe so. I, it has... They're called sin bins. That's the Oh, man. That, that's just... <laughs> Is that where you get the neon underlighting? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. That's illegal now, right? Neon I have no idea. Well, you, who would get it anyway, anyway yeah. anymore, but I think they made it illegal for some reason. What? Neon underlighting. Oh yeah, because it's a distraction. You can't. You can use it in a parking lot when you're stationary, but not when you're. There was oh. about two weeks when I was commuting. This is probably six or seven years ago. There must have been a company that sold. Um, it was a marketing deal where if you were a, a, had a minivan, they'd take over your back window and it would show like a live TV spot that you could buy it was sort of like the electron oh, digital billboards but in the back of a car i think i think the it's highway patrol said yeah no you're not doing that well no. even the digital billboards i feel like how are those still a thing because i feel like we're talking about distractions you know you got well, like you've got basically a movie playing on a billboard they are controlled they can only yeah. change so many times oh, a minute okay. well, if that I and it, right. the advertisements featured aren't actually moving it's just changing to and they're all stationary right. advertisements right. and it flips but yeah i could totally see that some of them are like insanely bright yeah it's like las yeah. vegas yeah, yeah kind of stuff yeah especially at night it's so bright right there you're going to well, look at it what's less regulated is the ones like there's one I pass every night um, with the furniture store off Highway 10, and it's it's their own digital sign, and they don't regulate that much, and mm. it, it's very distracting, honestly. Oh, is that up in what in uh, Fadness Heights or not? Um, you can, I don't know where it is. It's off Highway 10, I pass it all the time. Okay. But it's like Fridley-ish. Yeah, to tell a funny story about Paul, when Clear Channel, I think it was Clear, first came to town with those billboards, he went absolutely mental mm -hmm. and signed a three-quarter of a million-dollar-a-year contract. And he's like, what do you think? Wow. And we're like, um, okay. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> but, to, but to make matters worse, once those billboards hit, there was so much pushback from the communities because they thought mm -hmm. they were horrible. It's like, we just spent a lot of money to piss people off. Yeah, there's been a couple cases where they were installed very close to homes or yeah. neighborhoods mm -hmm. in general, and people were not happy. Like, I remember specifically a news story not too long ago where the guy had to basically just put blackout curtains on one side of his house oh, yeah, because right. it was so close. It was yeah. like daylight all night. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of crazy that that's allowed. But 
they keep putting them up more and more. There's one, a new one in Champlain they just put up. Um, but I just did a media buy for a bunch of placements. So. <laughs> oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. We're, well, it's, uh, it's a more of a mature thing now, I think. And Yeah. It's just a better – you can be much more flexible with your message. So yeah. you can – you can take one campaign and expand it into, you know, a lot of different fun taglines and do more things with it and change out that creative mm-hmm. at the ready versus a, a actual billboard that has to be there for yeah. six months at a time or usually three to four. But yeah, because you'd have to put the posters up every time you wanted to change it. And that's yeah, it's usually it quarterly. Yeah. Yep. So, so are you buying these for Walls or Bites cars? Is yes. That, okay, good. Yep. And when is this going to roll out? Because I know people are yep. going to just immediately start driving around the Twin Cities <laughs> to see if they can see one of Kate's billboards. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, it is in process right now, so I've got all the placements ready to go, and I'm just um, finalizing some details with okay. our reps and things like that. It's all it's all ready to go. I just got to get it live. So, I have one more question for you. Um, they planned uh, Normally, the Twin Cities Auto Show is in middle of march it's around Mm st patrick's day in fact i think we were doing the podcast from there live when scott came by and said yeah this will be the last day we're having the show we're going to close it down tomorrow so it just tells you about Mm -hmm. how long it goes but they're planning to do it in at the state fairground in may is that for sure going to happen or is there still is it up in the air somebody asked me the other day and i didn't really know the answer so they're planning for may so i just got a communication this morning from mada um the details are still um, a little fuzzy with with exactly who will be there and how and all of that and i'm sure that you know it'll still be subject to whatever restrictions are in place at the time but um, they are fully planning on doing it uh, there was going to be so much room at the state fairgrounds uh, just knowing how much real estate you have so one they're going to have cars on display two they're creating sort of this neighborhood thing that um, should be really interesting with like a family fun zone and like a these little um pods where like ones with like rvs and towing capability and things like that so they they are moving forward with plans for the show um i don't see any like specific reason that it wouldn't happen other than just maybe being limited to attendance numbers depending on current conditions at the time i'll have to call scott and we usually have him on once a year to talk about the auto show and stuff. he's a he's a good guest so yeah i think it'll be fun i think it'll um Hopefully bring out some of the food vendors. I've not heard for sure, but I know a lot of people are, are missing that state fair experience, and this would be kind of their first chance to get at some of those vendors that... Oh, they're not going to bring the vendors from the auto, normal auto show? Uh, oh, great. Here's an $8 hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. Thanks. Yeah. That one, I've always loved working the auto show because it, it always overlapped with St. Patrick's Day, and the people watching is just priceless. Yeah. I remember standing in the Maserati booth. I was there for like nine hours straight one day and oh. and they had a convertible gran turismo that was white with a cream interior and we kept the doors locked but the top was down so people were like climbing into this car mm-hmm. i'm like i'm literally the yeah. person i am the warden all day trying to keep people out of this car and they thought they were so smart by opening it from the inside i'm like then they'd see the look on my face and they'd walk away <laughs> like you can look you don't have to climb all over it when they were building the convention center, this probably has to go back to early, about, God, what did I say, 30 years ago? God, a million. <laughs> oh, Tom was still on AM so long ago. He hadn't. Exactly. But they were exactly building the convention right. center, so they moved the auto show over to the Metrodome. Hmm. I thought, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. And I went to, I volunteered to work on what we probably don't, no longer call old folks day but it's the only daytime wednesday is the only 
time the auto show is open during the day and they have senior discounted tickets. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of senior citizens that come in and check out cars. The problem was there's only one elevator that goes from the mezzanine at the Metrodome down and it only holds like five or six people. So people, they'd walk down all the stairs to get to the, the field to look at the cars. And then they just, they Stuck couldn't make there. it back up. They'd just get, oh, they'd, the line for the elevator was like two and a half hours long. I'm like, well, we're never doing this again. We just pissed wow. off everybody. Yeah, that's not, that's not smart at all. Well, no. and we blew up the metro. That place sucked anyway. Everyone I, hated that building. It was the worst sports stadium ever made. Would you agree, Tom? No doubt. Well, it only cost $55 million, so what does that tell you? So what was what's crap. the new one? Is that is the new one a billion dollars? Yeah, one point two billion. One point two billion dollars. That's, that's crazy. I know. It's that's a lot of money. Well, at least the, at least the taxpayers paid for it, so that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get it back any day now. I'm sure. Should. Well, yeah, with the lack of concerts and things like that, and it's not even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not even meant to host those anyway. I went to Metallica no, the when they opened that the very first concert series that did there, and it was. Terrible. I hear the acoustics are awful. It was awful. I've seen. You're a Metallica fan, and your husband drives a lifted '01 <laughs> Ram truck. You are an awesome person. I I'm getting a Wrangler this weekend. Are you really? Yeah, I'm super excited. Oh, um, good for you. I've been driving a, a CX-5, which is a great car. I don't want to make it sound like it's terrible, but it's just not me. I my car. I was driving what my husband is driving now. His truck blew up. He somehow inherited my truck. I had a 2015 Silverado with a two-inch level and 22-inch. Like, I, I'm not the person that comes to work every day. If you don't know me outside of work, then you don't know me much at all. So um, I live up in Now Then. We have chickens. Okay, I, I have a Now Then story. <laughs> when I was I in college, I, I was a cab driver. Mm -hmm. And back then they were unionized. And one guy says, hey, how would you like to be a union steward? And like, Sure, I'm 18. Sounds like fun. So I became a union steward, and we had uh, union meetings. Tom, do you remember the president and the vice president bar on Lake and Nicollet? Lake and Nicollet, yeah, yep. So we had our uh, we had our union meetings in the uh, vice president, which basically meant me and three other union stewards and the president was this guy named Dick Say. He was straight out of Central Casting. Looked like a cab driver. Had the little cabbie hat. Smoked the big cigars. <laughs> drunk all the time. Told dirty jokes. Oh, well. Called everybody my short peckered friend. One of oh, these nice. kind of guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So he uh, lives in Now Then, and we were talking about how it got its name, and he goes, well, when we decided to incorporate, we had the mayor and some of the people come over to my house, and we were sitting around drinking one night trying to come up with names. And I'm saying, let's call it Starburst or this and that. And one guy kept saying, well, now then we should just call it this or now then we should just call it that. And Dick said, F it. Let's just call it now then. And they went, okay. <laughs> yeah, the story they it. have on their website is something about how instead of signing sincerely on a letter, you you sign it now then and then your name. And I was like, okay. We don't even have our own post office. It's <laughs> It's kind of ridiculous. It's It's got a population of like 4,000, I believe. Yeah. But um, our... Director of Finance, uh, Jen Parsons, she actually lives in Now Then as well. So it's really? Weird. Yeah, we're on opposite ends of Now Then, but yeah. Uh, oh, what? Either side of the same block? It's like 20 minutes. Like, it's geographically large, but it's all farms. I grew it, up in Dayton, no, which is very, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Dayton is enormous, but it's all farmland, so yeah. Yeah, we have a couple friends that live in Dayton. Well, so. Mardall lives up that way, doesn't he? What's it? What's the name of this? Is it Dew Ellen? 
can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, Duellum. Yep, that's exactly Duellum. right. That's it that is Duellum. now then, too. Duellum. That's what it is. Duellum. 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 Yep, that's it. Yep. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the whole redneck, uh, whatever, you should meet my neighbors. It's it's pretty. <laughs> I have stories for days on, on my neighbors and their crazy antics. We had to bring so. your tractor to work day at our high school. We, I know what you're talking nice. about. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bring, bring your we tractor did. to work day? Yeah. Because half the people out there owned a tractor because, you know. You oh, a, yeah. You got a field. You got to plow it somehow. Go! It's quarter after one. It is. We've been at this for almost well, an know, hour. You, yeah, you did an hour this week. I like it. Well, uh, tune in next week. We've got a guy that I actually met through Walzer. Eric Bowles is going to be on the show. Oh, that's awesome. He's just Eric. a really interesting guy. You know, when they said it's mandatory meeting with a motivational thought leader, I'm thinking I would rather have all my teeth pulled out by a <laughs> 01 Ram with a lift kit. <laughs> and then I met this guy, and interestingly enough, after the – First time he came into town, he was staying at the Marriott. It was snowing really bad, and he couldn't get a, a an Uber to the airport. And I said, look, I kind of live that way. I'll give you a ride if you want. So it took us an hour to get to the airport. Mm-hmm. We had a great conversation. Reached out to him on LinkedIn, and he said, I'd love to be on the show. So th- th- that's his second life. His first career, he played in the NFL for five or six years mm-hmm. as a, a receiver. I think he played for the Jets and the Packers, if I remember right. So he will be on next week, and then the following week, we will nobody will be on. There will be no shows because it will be the 1st of March. That's right. So spring is coming. And why are there no shows? Because you're going to be hanging out with your grandchildren at, is it World or Land? I can never it's remember world. which one. Disney World. world. Disney Land's world. in California, World's in Florida. Yes, so. that's right. Should I close with what my two-year-old grandson said to me? Of course you should. It's a true story. Sage will turn uh, three in June, and Fawny will be five in May, so they're still two and four right now. And the little kids like that hear everything you say, and they just file it away in their brains. Uh, And you don't know they're doing it, but they know everything you say, and it's in their brain. And I said to Sage, Sage, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to Disney World. There's a pause, and he goes, yeah, well, you're out of the mix. Wow! A two year a two year old said that to me. That's great. So when Tom's gra- granddaughter, I don't know if she still you put does him it, on but, the show. But, but when she yeah, was exactly. three, when she'd fall down, she'd go, "Down goes Frasia! Down goes Frasia!" <laughs> she did, She's and so does Sage does that now too. Howard Cosell. Mm-hmm. Down like, goes Frasier. Not that she has any idea who Cosell or Frasier are. Right? But. No. But it's nope. her. No. We know who it is, and it's funny. Well, that wraps up episode 83 of Car Selling Secrets. It's great to, I really am glad you came in. I, 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 you know, I admire your work, but I knew very little about you, and it's just more fascinating than I could have imagined. Yeah, you could do a whole new segment on just my stories about my redneck neighbors if you want, if you need content. Yeah, you'll be coming back. Yeah, that'll be great. Bring your husband. What'll they do with marketing? Yeah, sure. We can uh, make that introduction. You'll have content. You know what? It has everything to do with marketing because that's why we started this podcast. This is just—it's all about the message, and if people are engaged, and and that and that's really what worked with the whole Tom and Doug KQ thing. It's like you know, you screw around. You're not talking about cars that much, but you sound like a somewhat normal person. Um, right. People respond to that, and they really like it. I think that's, you know, so rather than the 15-cent spots, it's like, what's your message? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you get absolutely. that right, generally the rest is relatively easy. So. Well, and there's something to be said for, you know, down the line someone's going to remember this one story they heard on Car Selling Secrets, and then they're going to think, where did I hear that? 
oh yeah, it was Walzer car selling secrets. Yeah, hey, that, you know, I uh, actually I couldn't I could use a new car. Maybe I'll go to Walzer. Yeah, because I've they heard say their in brand Minnesota, before. It sounds like they don't suck so bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's high, sad that that's the bar. But that's it's high true. praise. It is true. Yeah, it really is. Brand yeah. recognition is probably eighty percent of yep. profit. So, yeah. all right, folks, that's it. Over and out. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.